Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Doing good? My name's uh, Eric Smith. I'm the discipleship and outreach pastor here at Connection Church Savannah. And I just want to uh, join in Meredith and echo a lot of what she said and just welcoming you. Uh, it is our heart uh, to be a place that, that it feels like family, that it feels like when you come into this building, you're home. And so if this is your first time, we just want to extend our welcome again. We just want you to know how excited we are that you're here, that we've been praying for you, that we've been praying for everyone this morning. Um, but we are excited that God has brought you in this place to worship with us this morning. For those who are, have already been here before, you already know your family. And, and so you're a part of what God's doing in this place and a part of what God's doing in this church and what God is going to do in this community and, and ultimately what God's going to do in the world. And, 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 and it's through the love that we, that binds us together and makes this place feel like home. And so, so excited about what God's doing, so excited about what God's doing with our church. And, and again, we are always going to be focused on one thing, and that's just connecting people with a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the motive behind everything we're doing, all the things that we do, no matter what they are, it's in hopes that someone meets Jesus and then begins to grow in that relationship with Jesus. And so, one of the ways we know that that's possible is through our next steps. And so for you, we know there's a next step. Regardless of who we are, where we are in our faith walk with God, there's always a next step. And so we always want to encourage you to just be searching your heart and just searching where you're at in that and looking to see, God, what is my next step? For some today, it might just be salvation. It might be a relationship with Jesus. For others, it might be baptism. For others, it might be joining a connect group or taking heart and soul and, and getting involved and plugged in in what we're doing here because we believe God is doing something special and we're so excited about what he's doing and we just want everyone to be a part of that and to know that you have a purpose here in this place because we believe God has called us into something mighty for his kingdom and we want to be obedient and faithful to that and we know that everything we need to do that is right here. It's already in God's church. So we're, we're moving through Acts. We're, we're excited about this series, and we're going to be in Acts 3. It's the third week of the series, so if you want to go ahead and be turning there, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we're going to get started. Father God, Lord, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for your word and what it does. We thank you that every time we open your word, the potential is there to transform our lives, to change everything, Lord. And so, Lord, we're looking to you this morning. We're looking to your word expectant. We're asking your Holy Spirit to be here. We're praying for, for hearts to be softened, God. We want our hearts to be softened to a place where we can hear and receive what it is you have for us through the Holy Spirit's teaching in your word, God. Lord, we want to be in awe of you this morning. We want to be um, amazed and in wonder of who you are, Lord, and, and your word is going to reveal that to us, God. Lord, we're just praying for, for our hearts to be stirred for you and our affections to be stirred for Christ, Lord, and we're just looking for you to do something special in this place, this morning, and we know that we can find that in your word, and it has the power to do that because you've promised it will not return void. So, Lord, we're expecting as we go into your word this morning, we're expecting your power, we're expecting your Holy Spirit, we're expecting your revelation and your wisdom, God, and, Lord, we're just looking forward to what you're going to do, Lord, and I'm just praying for hearts this morning, Lord. Lord, I'm praying for, for a little bit. Let us just be settled in on you. Let us be focused in on what you're doing. Let, our, let the calmness 
ease over us, Lord, that we might hear what you want, that we might see and our eyes be open to what you have for us, God. Lord, I am praying for, for chains to break in this place this morning in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I am praying for freedom to be in this place this morning. I am praying for hope in this place this morning, Lord. I am praying for you to move in a way that we have never seen this morning. And Lord, we're thanking you in advance for it. God, be with us as we open your word. Carry us through it. Guide us in the direction you would have us to go, Lord. We love you and we thank you and we praise you, God. And we're just asking you to move because we can't move for ourselves, Lord. And we are void of everything apart from you, God. So fill this place this morning, Lord. Fill us with your love this morning and let it overflow. God, we love you and thank you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Is everybody excited about where we're going in Acts? Man, I love Acts. I, I really do. I love Acts. I love um, just going through it. I love seeing what God is doing. Uh, what I do as a profession is um, we're, I'm in the maintenance business. So we're always dealing with machines. We're working on maintaining them. We're working on repairing them. And when these breakdowns come, there's always a manual that we go to that's helpful for us. It sort of shows us some of the way the machine's built. It gives us the creator's idea of what it was supposed to look like, what it was intended for, because I can go ahead and tell you some of the breakdowns come from somebody using it the way it wasn't supposed to be used. And so we're trying to figure out what is the problem and then what do we do you know, to kind of step in for that. And so the OEM manuals are what we call them. They're so helpful because they give us an understanding of how the machine works and what it was intended for. And it's coming directly from the one that created it. And so we don't have to worry about what, what Joe thinks because Joe has an opinion always and we don't have to worry about what Ted thinks because Ted's glad to tell you his opinion too. We can just go to the manual and open it up and it just opens our eyes to what the purpose of this machine was for. And we can kind of see some of the history of it. It has blow-ups to kind of explain what the parts are supposed to do. And the hope is somewhere in that, the light bulb snaps and we know what's going on with this machine and what, what the, the intender of the machine was trying to do with it. And Acts is a lot like that for me. Because when I look, I'm getting to see God's mission unfold. I'm getting to see God establish his early church. And I'm getting to see Jesus give us the mission that we were all called to. And then look and see how that begins to unfold. And how God uses the ones that he's calling in for the sake of pushing his kingdom forward. Which is what the mission that Jesus gave us was originally, right? And so... It's incredible to see because not only do we know what the mission is, we know what God called us to, but we also see the power that God gave us to carry out that mission, that we don't have to try to rely on anything of ourselves. We see it right off the bat immediately and what God is going to do, what he's called us to is huge, what he's called the apostles to. To the ends of the earth, we're going to go and make disciples. That's a mighty task, easily overwhelming. It's hard enough to go down the street. But what we're finding is that God's saying, don't depend on you. Don't lean on you. Wait. Wait. And I'm sending the comforter. I'm sending the one that's going to help you. I'm sending the power that you are going to need. Don't move until you're clothed with power from on high. And so it's incredible to look through Acts and just see how God's kingdom is established and then pushes forward. It's incredible to see that that kingdom is unstoppable. 
And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is driving all of that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes that kingdom that's being pushed forward unstoppable regardless of what people try to do. There's opposition. There's persecution. All of these things are happening, and the kingdom still pushes forward 99% of the time because of the persecution, because of what it causes. It pushes God's kingdom forward just like he always planned. And it's incredible to see this and to just, un- and just unpack all this in God's word. And I love it. And I love that we're taking time to go through it verse by verse because it really gives us a clear picture of what God's called us to as the church of Christ. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the upcoming weeks. And yeah, we're gonna be in it for a little while, but I think it's worth it because we get to see God's kingdom established and get to see how we fit into that and what God has called us into. And so I love it. I love going there. I love seeing that this mission has been laid out for us because that's what we're about here. We wanna be a part of the mission of God. We wanna be a part of what God is calling us into, his big C church and our church. Whatever God has called us into, that's where we wanna be. We don't wanna be setting aside or watching from the sidelines as God's kingdom pushes forward because we know through Acts, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. God's kingdom is gonna go forward. He said it would, we know the end, we know we win, and I can promise you, it's gonna happen. So are we gonna be a church that sits on the sidelines and watches it? Are we gonna be a church that takes on what God's called us into and steps into that place knowing that it's not us, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, and we step out in faith with boldness and confidence because God said it would happen. And so we can go with that confidence knowing that it's gonna happen. I don't wanna watch this from the sidelines. I don't wanna be the one on the sidelines cheering this on. I wanna be a part of this. And the good news is God called us into that. God called us into this and he's given us a place in that. And we know that we are all missionaries as God has already established and he's given us a purpose and he's calling us to something and I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of what God's doing. And so we know that here. We wanna try to be a church that we're getting people off the sidelines and getting them in the game. We wanna be a church that's radically transformed by the gospel and that that transformation drives us to radically share the gospel, that we're willing to go outside of what's comfortable for us. We're willing to step outside of that little box that makes us feel good and safe and willing to step into places where we may not feel comfortable, but we know that there's a power that was, that's within us that's gonna carry us through whatever God's called us into. And so there's a confidence that we should have because it's not on us. The power is not, within, is, is not ours, it's within us. And so we wanna be a church that's moving because we believe the gospel is central and second to nothing. And so we wanna let that first transform us. We want that truth to change our hearts and creating us an urgency to share that life-changing message. We wanna be a church that the mission of God is more urgent than our comforts, right? That it drives us to something that God is calling us into that that extravagant grace that Michael talked about, that we've experienced in Christ, that we let that move us to share it with each other, to share it with our families and our friends, to share it down the street, and then to go where we normally wouldn't go because that extravagant grace has changed everything about who we are. We wanna be willing to go where people would never expect us to be. So let's look at Acts 3. We're gonna go through it. There's a lot in here. So let's get started. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. 
Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so just to spend a little time right there and unpack, Luke's very specific. We do know Luke was a a doctor. We know he's a physician. We know he was also a historian. And, And so he uses very intentional medical terminology when it comes to how this man was healed. He, he identifies the sole of the foot and the ankle and that somewhere in him leaping and jumping back, that these things are realigning, that they're popping back into place, back into joints or in a joint. And, and so what used to not work and probably used to look uh, a little different and, and would never support the weight of the man was now locking back into place and not only fitting back into place, but was strong enough to support the man to leap and jump. And so Luke's very intentional about that. He's very intentional about the way that Peter and John are going to the temple and at what time they're going to the temple. It's, there's something very important in all that that I think we want to look at. And, and so it's pretty cool to see that, that from the end of Acts 2, that God's moving in mighty ways. We're being, uh, we're, we know that people are being added to the number daily because of the devotion and the obedience that we talked about last week. We know that God is continually adding to the number and so they're growing at an exponential rate. We know that, that because they're devoting themselves to prayer, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to the breaking of bed, or being reminded of Christ, and then to community, that God is just continuing to add. And so they're growing at just exponential rates, and they're seeing miracles and wonders. They stand in awe and amazement of God because of all that's being done, because of their obedience and their devotion to the things God called them to. And so we see that, that Peter and John are heading to the temple gates. And Luke's very intentional about noting the time that they're going. It says in verse one, at three in the afternoon. And just to give you a little background, the Jewish workday began at 6 a.m., that was sunrise. And so there were three main times of prayer observed. And we see this reference in the Old Testament. We can look at Psalms 55, 17. You don't have to turn there, or you can turn there if you want, but you really don't have to. It just says, Psalm 55, 17, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. We see it in Daniel. There are multiple references of timestamps of when people are praying, and it's specific to Jewish tradition. And so the morning prayer, which happened at 9 a.m., that was the third hour. Another at 12 p.m., that was the sixth hour. And then the evening prayer at 3 p.m., that was the ninth hour. And so there's no doubt there's some significance to what is going on because we see things happening throughout the New Testament, and they follow that pattern. These things happen at the same times that were traditionally Jewish times of prayer. Jesus is crucified in Mark 15, 25. It says it was the nine in the morning when they crucified him the third hour. The Holy Spirit falls on the apostles at Pentecost. 
What does Peter say when he's defending them in Acts 2.15? These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And so is there some significance in those two things being joined together, that Christ is crucified and the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles at the same time? Later on in Acts, we'll see angel visit Cornelius, and it says at the ninth hour, Acts 10.3 says, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, at the same time. And so Peter and John are going to the temple at 3 p.m., the ninth hour, and a miracle happens. And so we could go on and on about this because there are many, many references to it in Scripture. But we know from Acts 2 that these miracles are happening. And so we know that Luke's being intentional about what time is happening. And we also know that for some reason, Luke is identifying this miracle because we know that miracles have been happening. But for whatever reason, he identifies this miracle in particular. And so some theologians believe that this miracle was recorded because it gave Peter the reason to preach the gospel again, because he does. Others think that Luke was using this as explaining the origin of what we see in Acts 4 and the persecution and, and the threatening that begins because of them professing the gospel message. So Campbell Morgan says that they were following tradition by going to the temple at the hour of prayer. They did not attend during the morning hour of sacrifice, though, because they realized the sacrificial system had been fulfilled in the perfect sacrifice Jesus offered on the cross. So where they may have been following Jewish tradition just as Jesus did, they understood that at least the prayer of sacrifice was not necessary anymore because Christ had fulfilled everything that the sacrificial system needed. And so I like Calvin's approach to it. Because so, Calvin saw a missionary intent in what Peter and John did. He said, furthermore, if any man asked whether the apostles went up into the temple that they might pray according to the right of the law, I do not think that this is a thing so likely to be true as they might have better had the opportunity to spread about the gospel. And so Calvin's idea was to where they were following traditions, they were still keeping to what was a custom of the people. There was another motive that was coming into play. We're gonna keep doing what we used to do, but now we're looking for opportunities. We're looking for a chance. I can't wait for God to allow the door to be open for me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see these two kind of getting ready and they're going in and they're going in at this specific time. And so I said all of that to say this. We know there was a power behind it. We know that God was doing something in this. We know that there was a time that was specifically set apart because this is the thing we know that Acts had already established, the beggar was there every day. So they probably passed him time and time and time again because they were following tradition. So they had seen this beggar before because they had already established that he was gonna be there. So they knew this, but something was different about today. Something was different about this moment. God was doing something special and it set a time this, this moment for his glory but they were ready for it. They were ready to step into what God had called them to. Because Acts 1, we know that Acts can be referred to as the Acts of Witness, right? I mean, it, it could be said that, it, it has been said that, but the thing we do know is that Acts is often referenced as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so what we see beginning is the power 
that we saw in Acts 2 that had come on them, that was in them, that they had been baptized into. The power that was living within them was there and ready for any moment that God called them into. But there had to be some type of sensitivity to it. There had to be something in that moment that said, today is the day, Peter and John. Today is the day that you no longer walk by this man who's been lame since birth. Today is the day that I want to testify to the power of Jesus Christ. And in the authority and the name of Jesus, this man is going to walk. Today is the day. So something was different. Something changed and they were sensitive to it. They were aware of it. They knew that something was happening, and in this moment, there was a boldness and a confidence for everything to change. And so we see God moving in this place. We see him moving throughout this chapter, and there's so much that we could do, but I wanna ask a couple of questions, and we're gonna kind of go back, and we're gonna read through it again, but I wanna ask some questions as we go because there's something different, and what was the difference? They were devoted. They had devoted themselves to all the things that God called them to. And because of that devotion, there was a sensitivity to the power of God moving in them that created a response of confidence. They stepped out in faith. There was a boldness that had happened because of their time with Jesus that we begin to see things change in Peter's approach, in the apostles' approach. We get to see a boldness and a confidence that where he was bold, He wasn't always bold in Christ. Where he was flashing, he would talk, and we know that he was kind of a a quick-witted person. Now everything had changed. Everything was moving towards the glory of God and the power of God through the Holy Spirit. He had experienced something that had changed him. He had experienced something in the cross of Christ and in the power of that day at Pentecost that changed everything for them. They were no longer operating from their own power. They were operating from a power that was incredible, a power that could change everything, a power that was given to them through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, a power that was promised to them in Acts 1. And now we're beginning to see it happen at the gates beautiful, and it opens up a door for the gospel to be preached. So this is the thing. We know they're going for a reason. We know they're going at a specific time. We know this thing happens We know this man was lame from birth. We know that no matter what, they were prepared because they had been devoting themselves to the things of God. So that's my first question. Are we devoting ourselves to the things of God? Are we following after what God has called us into? Are we spending time in God's word? Are we spending time in God and prayer? Are we doing the things that God has called us into and devoting ourselves to them knowing that God is going to use that for his glory? that it's going to do something in us, it's gonna grow something in us, a confidence and a boldness because we're devoting ourselves to these things and it's gonna change things for us because we're gonna learn that it's not our power that does it. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, it doesn't take too long for me to figure out how fast I can screw something up. But as we devote ourselves to these things, as we push into the things of God, we begin to see something change in our lives. When we're devoted to community, when we meet and we're devoted to the sacraments and we're remembering Christ through baptism and through communion and the breaking of bread, when we study what God's word says and we devote ourselves to prayer, there is a power that moves that's unexplainable. There's a power that happens that, that changes everything. 
And so are we stepping into that or are we, are we doing as Peter and John said because he walks by this guy and he says, hey, I need you to look at me. Stop what you're doing and look at me. Because that's, that's an intimate moment. That's a confident moment. Because we've all been in that place, right? Where somebody was asking for some money and we're like, yeah, here, God bless you. And we step away, right? I know I've done it. I know I've, I've been, I'm willing to go this far, God, but I, I'm scared to kind of look someone in the eye, someone that doesn't look like me, someone that doesn't always smell like me, someone that doesn't live the way I live. I'm a little nervous about stepping into that place, so I'll bless them, God. Here you go. And I'll look down. But when we devote ourselves to the things God has called us into, when we devote ourselves to, to his word, when we devote ourselves to prayer, he calls us into a place where I can look somebody in the eyes and I can say, hey, man, I'll do anything I can for you. I love you, and I wanna tell you why I love you. Because I met a man named Jesus, and he changed everything about me. And so take this, brother, do whatever you can do with it. But I want you to know, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that wants to change everything about you. I know you're crippled. I know that sin cripples people because it crippled me. But I want you to know one thing. That man named Jesus, that cross that he died on, that empty tomb, that Holy Spirit that lives within me has changed everything about me. I know a love that I've never known and I'm no longer crippled. I am healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that same thing is possible for you, brother. I'm not afraid to step into a moment. I don't have to go into this thing with my eyes down and go, God, you just take care of the rest. I don't really wanna get into this space with them. I'm willing to go where people are. I'm willing to meet people where they are. I'm willing to be a servant because Jesus was a servant. I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of his name. And I know that it's not my power, so I don't have to worry about if I screw it up because the Holy Spirit has been working the whole time. The Holy Spirit has been before me, but I wanna box him in. I can go into this thing with confidence and no, it's not on me, brother. The Holy Spirit's been working on your heart. He's been doing something. He has been wooing you since birth. And he wants to do something with you. He wants to change everything about you. He wants to put his stamp on you and he wants to put you in this game and he wants to tell the world that he loves them through you. And don't worry if you're gonna fail because there's a power that's not your own. And yeah, you may be weak, but his word promises that God is made perfect in our weaknesses. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. You're gonna be okay because the Holy Spirit is there. Don't run from that moment. Don't run from these moments when God is calling us into something. Be willing to go, look right at me, brother. Look right at me, sister. God loves you. God loves you. So there was something happening in them through the power of the Holy Spirit that changed their approach. They were, hey, look at me. Look at me. And so the man gave him that attention, right? He looked at him because he was expecting something. Why wouldn't he? He was like, okay, yes. All right, we off to this, we off to a good start this morning. Something's happening. Something's happening. And Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. And so don't we do this? Don't we box God in? Don't we go, God, if you'll just take care of this situation, I'll follow you. If you just take care of this situation, I'll serve you. I'll give my life to you if you'll just kind of fix the things that are going on in my life. God, I'll give my life to you if you just let me go to heaven instead of hell, because that would be nice, right? Just, just change my destination. 
and we give our lives. We box God in to just help me in this moment. Just do this thing for me that is my most obvious need right now. And what does he say? Silver and gold are good. They do solve your problem. They're gonna help you. They're gonna take care of the immediate need in front of you. They may feed you for today, but I don't have that. But what I do have will change your life forever. What I do have will do something in you that will change everything about you and all of the people you encounter from this moment on. What I do have is a power that's not my own. What I do have is a Holy Spirit that heals wounds, that breaks chains, that sets people free, that releases people to go and do the work of Jesus Christ and to step into the mission that he's called them into. I have a power that's within me that was given to me through our Savior. And so what I do have, I give to you. And he identifies it. He doesn't take the claim for it. It's used 23 times in the New Testament, in Acts alone, in the name of. And he lays it down. I don't have money. I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Get up and walk. Stand up and be healed. Let those things that have bound you, let those things that have held you, let those things that have crippled you be cast away and be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. There is a power that God wants to use that he has called us and given us with, and he called us, and get it, uh, called us into and given us. There is a power that's not our own, but are we devoted and sensitive to it? Are we prepared? Peter and, and John are walking up to this thing they were so devoted that they didn't have to come to church and get fueled up. They didn't have to, to go and get this. They were just, whenever this thing pops off, I'm ready to go, right? I'm ready to get it. God, you want to do it now? Okay. Like Calvin said, I probably think Peter was going, boy, it's about to be a day today. Something's about to happen. We've been praying. We've been reading. God's been good. Walking into this this place that God is, uh, has given us. And it was a place of gathering, right? They were going into to Solomon's colonnade. This was a, a big, massive place. It was 225 yards long, big, massive columns, 37 foot tall, a roof over it. So it was a place of teaching. It was a place of prayer. It was also a place of loitering. So there were a bunch of people just hanging out because it had a, a roof over it. So it was good. It kept you from the sun. It also protected you from the weather. And so, so Peter knows going in there, boy, it's about to be it right here. God's about to do something. And he walks by and goes, okay. And he steps in and he goes, look right at me, brother. God wants to do something today. Don't box him in to just your current situation. Don't box him in to what you know is your only problem. Don't box him, box him in to that. The Jesus Christ I know is bigger than that. The Jesus Christ I know is larger than anything we can imagine. The Jesus Christ I know will change your life and use you in ways you can't even imagine yet. He's gonna change everything about you. He's gonna put his stamp on you and you're gonna be a testimony, a witness to his glory because where you used to be crippled, where your sin bound you up, where you were held back from anything, you were hopeless and desperate, you were doing anything that this world would offer to give you any kind of relief from it because there was no end in sight. There is nothing that I can find that will satisfy my heart. And he says, Jesus, Jesus will. And in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the man jumps up takes him by the right hand, and everything pops back into place. A miraculous healing. 
Make no mistake about that, a miraculous healing. Luke was not mincing words. He was a medical professional. He knew what he was talking about. He was a historian. It was accurate. And these things pop back into place, and this man has strength, and he begins to walk. And where, where this man was only expecting one thing, he got something incredibly different. He got something incredibly different, and he's so excited about it. He just clings to Peter and John, and he goes in, and they move on into the temple. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. They were in awe because they saw a miracle. They saw a man that used to be one way, and after he met Jesus, he was something completely different. That's what God has called us into. That is what God wants to use us for. There are things that have been crippling us, and God wants to heal those in the name of Jesus. And then when people see us, there is an evidence that is indisputable. I knew Eric. I don't know about this God. I don't know about this power that he talks about. I don't know about this Jesus yet, but I know he's not the man that he used to be. I know he's not the same guy that he used to be. Something's different. There's something different that happened in this man. There's something to where men and women identified his, him in one way, crippled from birth, to where they see this man. They see him jumping and rejoicing and praising and walking into this place excited, and they are in awe and wonder because this isn't the man that we used to know. That's the power of the name of Jesus. That's the freedom that comes in the name of Jesus. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be constrained by what we know or what we don't know. We don't have to be held back from this knowledge that we think we have to acquire before we can go and tell somebody about Jesus. You know what he did in your heart. I know what he did. And there is a group of people that I can go to right now that knew the man I used to be and will go, this is not the man we knew. What's different? Jesus. Jesus. I don't have to be a scholar. I don't have to be a theologian. I don't have to know every scripture verse. I don't have to know the Romans road backwards and forwards, front to back. The only thing I have to be is real. I just have to be the man Jesus called me to be. I have to be devoted to prayer, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to remembering Jesus Christ, remembering what he's done. Am I building that stuff in? Devoted to biblical community because he grows us and matures us in that. Devoted to serving because Christ served. Devoted to the things and the examples of Christ because that's what we see. If you look, what Peter is doing is the same thing Jesus did before. When he healed a relative of Peter's, grabbed him by the hand and helped her up. When we don't know what to do, when we're in that moment and fear overcomes us, when we don't know which way to step, the only thing we have to do is do what Jesus did. We're going to see Peter do that again. He's going to heal a couple of people, and he's going to do it almost exactly as he saw Christ do it. When we devote ourselves to the word, when we devote ourselves to prayer, there's a, there's a power that grows within us, a confidence and a boldness, and then an example to where when we don't know what else to do, just look at what Jesus did. Follow the Christ that saved us. He was a servant where he should have been a king. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about what he had done. It was about the glory of his father. He came to serve and not be served. 
He was willing to step into places where people wouldn't go, where people even accused him and made fun of him and laughed at him because he would sit at the table of sinners. He wasn't afraid to look somebody in the face and go, look right at me. Are we devoting ourselves to what God's called us to? Are we devoting ourselves to these things? Because God has given us something within us that's incredible. And it's hard sometimes to realize, how can I be a part of that? How can I be a part of what God has called us into? How can I understand fully what's happened in my heart to the place where it drives me to just go and do all these things that I can't, I got four kids. I can't even make lunch right. And now I'm supposed to go and be what Jesus called me to be? I forget stuff all the time. I even forget their names. That's... I don't forget their names, I just cross them up. I, I just, you know. But God has called us into something powerful. He's called us, called us into something special. He has called us to be partakers of his divine spirit. If you wanna turn to Peter, it's fine. If not, it'll be on the, the, the screens for you. But in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 11, it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and to your self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has called us into something powerful, something that we should be excited about, something that we should be expecting. Are we expectant this morning? Did we get out of our beds this morning going, man, God's about to do something today. God can do anything. Because that's the truth of today. That's the truth of every day. It's the truth of every moment we step in, that God could do something powerful. We don't have to reach this place. We don't have to do all of these things. We just have to devote ourselves to those things. And in doing that, our knowledge of him will grow. Our confidence will grow. We will grow in a boldness. All those things we are looking for, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection for one another, love. At the end of the day, sometimes we just need love. I just need someone to love on me and tell me God loves me. And so does this world, and that's what we're called into. God has called us into something, but are we expecting of it? Are we devoting ourselves to it in expectation? because God's gonna do something today and I can't wait. But there's that power because God is in this place and he's in every moment that we go into. Everything has been designed for the witnessing of his power and authority. And he's called us into that. Can you imagine? Us. He wants us to be a part of his divine nature. 
It's incredible. So the other question, has our devotion created that boldness and confidence to respond when the Holy Spirit called? I mean, look at the response that Peter had when he walks into this place. And all of these people are in awe. They're all overwhelmed. Are we confident in what God is doing? Are we confident and bold in what God has done in our hearts? Are we assured of our salvation and the gospel message? Has it changed everything about who I am? Am I transformed because I know I am not the man I used to be? I am a new creation in Christ. There is something different. I'm a part of something that God is doing that's beyond anything I can imagine, and there's a power that has been given to me in my moment of surrender to Christ. I've been baptized by the Spirit and into what God has called us into. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 12 says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how glorious has their, I'm sorry, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have hope, we are very bold. And so what he's saying is is this thing that God has done in us, there is a glory that's going to be revealed that we can't even imagine, a glory that should drive us to a place of confidence, a a glory that will drive us to do the things that we don't normally do, to go to places we don't normally go, to not be afraid to sit someone and sit next to someone that I've never sat next to that maybe doesn't look like me, Maybe he doesn't talk like me. Maybe he doesn't act like I do. And just get to know him. Just to begin to build a relationship with him. Because I know there's a glory in what God is doing in this ministry that the Spirit Spirit has caused. That there's going to be a power that we see that transforms lives. There's going to be a power in this ministry that's even more glorious than what was engraved in the letters on stone. Are we confident in that? Are we confident in what God has done in our lives? Are we so confident in what he's done in our hearts that we're willing to step out in faith and boldness and proclaim his message when we're called to? Because let's look at what Peter does because he steps in with boldness. So everyone is in awe They're looking at them with wonder and amazement. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. 
It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who had spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And so Peter professes boldly with confidence this message of Christ. He's not afraid to call it what it is. He's not afraid to establish the necessary components that it takes to know Jesus and begin a relationship with him. He's not afraid to tell people and remind them that repentance is necessary, to turn from your wicked ways and to turn to God. The only message he's preaching is the same message that Jesus came preaching. Repent for the kingdom is near. It has always been a part of it. This has always been a part of the plan of God to, for his children to repent and turn to him and then to begin to be a part of that mission that he's called them into to go to the nations and proclaim the name of Jesus, to go and make disciples, to go wherever it is that God has called us into with boldness and confidence, knowing that it's not a power that we have that we are leaning on, that we are leaning on the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that repentance is necessary, but in the end, it's the same thing that for all of us. What he's saying is you gotta change your mind about Jesus. You gotta change your mind about Jesus because they knew this. They knew he was the one. They, he identifies these moments in scripture that they would have known, that they would have acknowledged, that they would have seen. He addresses them in a way that immediately calls their attention, and he pulls scripture in that they would have known, and he tells them, you must repent. You have to change your mind about Jesus. This same Jesus that you killed, this same Jesus that was the author of life that you murdered, this same Jesus to where you had the chance to set him free, you chose a murderer instead. But isn't that the same message for us? We just gotta change our mind about Jesus. Sometimes that's the biggest problem is changing our mind about Jesus. Because sometimes we'll take the murderer instead. We'll take what this world offers. We'll take our own power. We'll take what the world promises will satisfy. We'll take what the world will use to glorify everything except for the one that we were called to glorify. Sometimes we're yes, give us that murderer instead. But what he is calling them into is the same thing that he's calling us into. Change your mind about Jesus. This is the author of life. This is the one who changes everything. This is the one that God has been talking about since the beginning. This is the one that has always been the plan of our salvation. This is the one that's gonna solve that problem that we have that stops us from being in relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the one that casts away fear. 
that cast away anxiety. This is the one that you don't have to worry about what you're capable of because he's capable. You don't have to worry about what you can and can't do because he can do everything. You don't have to worry about the authority that you have because he has all authority over heaven and over earth. And now he has called us into that and he has given us the power to go and do what he's called us into. It's not about us. It's about him. But we have to change our minds about him sometimes. Because sometimes we're back in that same place. I can't see past this crippledness that is holding me back, God. I can't see back the financial things that are going on in my life. I can't see how this is going to work out. God, my marriage is failing. I'm not sure if Jesus can even do anything in this space. I've been praying for my son or my daughter for years and years and years that they would turn and come and know him, and they just haven't done it yet. I'm not sure yet, Jesus. I'm not sure that you can do the things that you promised. Sometimes we just have to change our mind about Jesus because that's what repentance is. It's changing our mind. It's changing everything. It's allowing God's desires to become our desires. It's allowing his purposes to become our purposes. It's turning away from our wicked ways and turning towards his ways because they are good and right, and they are going to lead us into something that's a satisfaction that we've never known, a joy, a comfort, a hope everlasting, a life of abundance that he's promised us. Not abundant with things, a life of abundance with him. A life of abundance in knowing that the power that's within us can accomplish all things. Knowing that we will suffer. Because if you're a Christian for any amount of time and you live long enough, you're going to bleed. We know that. You're going to hurt. You're going to suffer loss. You're going to lose people. Things are going to happen. We know that. There are gonna be storms that look so bleak, there is no hope in sight, but we know the one that calms the storms. We know the one that can change everything, that can tell the winds and the seas to be still. We know the one that will help us suffer well because as we go through Acts, that's one of the themes that we're gonna see, that suffering is a part of the call of following Christ because Christ suffered. And so we learn to count it as joy even in our suffering because we're suffering as Christ did. We're meeting him in that place. And we're gonna see that when that happens, the apostles rejoice. They celebrate. They're getting beat, coming out high-fiving because they know that this is a part of what God's called them into. And so sometimes we have to change our minds about the Christ that we're talking about. We have to know the power and authority that he has been given. That same power and authority is the authority that sent us to go to the ends of the earth. It's what sent us to go to the place we've never been. It's what sent us to sit next to that person that doesn't look like me and just start talking to him. To just be what God's called us to be. To go down the street and talk to our neighbor with a boldness and confidence going, man, God's about to do something today. I have been praying. I have been reading. I have been doing this stuff. God, whatever you want to do, I'm all in. It's yours. Let's go there. And just being aware that that God is ordaining these moments that he has called us into because there are people that God has placed specifically in your life I'm never going to reach. There are people that God has called you to that I will never touch. 
I will never have influence. I will never know them by name. People that God has given in your life and placed in your life specifically for you. Just like he's done that for me. God is calling us into something. We just have to be willing to go. We have to know that it's not a power that's ours. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to go in with fear. We don't have to go in worried about what if they reject this thing? What if they turn me down? What if they go, no, I'm good? Okay. And you just keep loving them. Keep pouring into them. Just keep getting to know them. Just just keep investing and, and devoting yourself to the things of God and just trusting that he can do it because he said he would. Because that's what he's called us to. He's called us to this mission, and he's given us everything. He's equipped us with everything. He's called us into this place, and it begins with changing our minds about Christ. And that was what he was calling them to, to identify him as the Messiah, to identify him as the the Savior that was promised throughout Scripture. There's a power that God is, is using that shows up in Acts that just blows me away because it's all over the place, and we see that power. But it's given us a confidence. Does it give us a confidence to go and do? Are we sensitive to it? Are we aware of it this morning? Are we aware of what God's called us into? Because he's doing something powerful. Because look at the life of the man. The man that they used to know, the cripple and all of that, and and that testimony that he used to be this way and now he's not. That his life has changed because he met Jesus, because of the authority of the name of Jesus. He is healed, he is transformed from what they knew. And it opened the door. How does that look for us this morning? If people looked at us, if people looked at me, do they see a different man? Do they see a a different person? Do they see a life that's devoted to the things of God? Do they see a life that screams that Jesus Christ is the one that I lean on, that screams a dependency on him, that I know that Jesus is who he says he is, and I'm trusting in faith. I'm bold and confident to step out and go and do whatever he's called me to because I know that God said he would do it. I know that God said he would accomplish it. I know that the plan that he has laid out is his plan, and because it's his plan, I don't have to fear because God is in control of it. I just have to be willing. I just have to be sensitive. I just have to be aware of who Christ is and trust that that is all I need, and God will supply the rest. I'll devote myself to those things, and I'll grow in my knowledge of who he is. I'll grow in my Christian terminology. I'll grow in my theology. I'll I'll grow in my understanding and my relatability to the word. I'll grow in those things. Maybe right now, God just needs you to go love on somebody and put your arm around them and just sit next to them and go, I see you. I see you. All that stuff is great. I love it. I love having those conversations. But there may be somebody in your life today that just needs you to see them, that just needs to know that they've been seen today that know that that someone saw them in their struggle, that saw them in their torment, in their desperation, that saw them where they were and just stopped and said, look at me. Look at me. I need to tell you, God loves you. Put your arm around them. Maybe, Maybe sometimes somebody just wants you to sit there in silence with them. Maybe they want you to cry with them. Maybe they want you to laugh with them. Maybe they just need somebody there. 
Are we willing to do that? Are we bold and confident enough to step in that place and know, you know what? I'm not sure how this is gonna work out, but I know Jesus has a plan. I know that God is going to accomplish his will and I'm willing to step into that. There was a, a story of a guy that um, he used to ride around his neighborhood and he would wave at people. And somebody asked him, why do you wave at everybody so much? And he said, well, I didn't always do it, but I, I was riding through the neighborhood and I saw this guy walking and, and I waved to him and, and he waved back and then I kept on driving and never really thought about it. And a few weeks later, he come and he sat down and, and he talked to me in my house and he said, I need to tell you something. He said, when you rode by and you waved at me, I was on my way to kill myself because I didn't think anyone saw me. I didn't think anyone knew about me or cared about me or desired anything good for me. And you waved at me. And I knew somebody saw me. We have that kind of power in our lives. We don't have to be theologians and, and scholars. That'll come. Study your word. Study your word. You need it. I need it. We all need it. Devote yourself to it. Devote yourself to prayer and just be willing when God calls at that perfect time to just go and see somebody, go sit with somebody and just go, I see you. I see you. And I just want you to know I love you because I, I know how loved I am. I know what God's done for me. I know what Christ has done in my heart. My mind has been changed about Jesus. And I'm radically devoted to what he has. Sometimes we just need to go love on people and God will take care of the rest. So as the music team comes, that's our question this morning. Maybe for you today is the day that your mind is radically changed about Jesus. Maybe you've come into this place and you've heard this gospel message preached and you've heard that, that Jesus is the only way to God and he is, that you've heard that he is the only way for salvation, that he is the freedom that you seek, he is the one that breaks the chains. Maybe you've heard this message time and time again or maybe today is the first time that you've heard it. Maybe today is the day that you just are sick of tired of being sick and tired that you're sick of all the torment, all the frustration. Maybe today is the day you feel like somebody is, that no one sees you. And I just wanna tell you, God sees you and God loves you and God has been wooing you. He has been pulling you in. He has been calling to your heart. He has been extending his graces to one that's not even a friend yet. But through the power of of the blood of Jesus Christ. We move from being enemies of God to becoming children of God. And so today, maybe today is the day that you change your mind about Jesus. Maybe today is the day you quit running, that you quit running from him, that you quit running to the world. Maybe today is the day you say no longer, I don't want the murderer, I want Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me the one who is the author of life, the prince of peace the only one who can comfort, the only one who can solve this problem that's within me, this God-sized hole that I can never fill, no matter what I try, no matter what I turn to. Today is the day that I, to, I choose Jesus because I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of hearing this message. I'm tired of my heart fluttering and, and running all over the place every time. And today is the day that I'm ready for new life in Christ. I want to know hope. 
I want to know comfort and I want to know joy. And this is the thing that I know. The enemy's going to tell you you've done too much, that your heart is too dark, that you've been places that, that even Jesus can't rescue you. And that's a lie of the enemy. That is a lie of the enemy. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and today you're realizing that you haven't had the relationship with Jesus at all. You've just known a lot about him. And the enemy's telling you, what about, what are people going to think? What are people going to think if that's you? You've been in church for years. You've been serving. You've been in a connect group. You've been doing all these things. Maybe you've been in leadership. But today, man, people are going to laugh at you. It's a lie of the enemy. There is no place that you can go that Jesus can't rescue you. There is no darkness that the light can't overcome. As a matter of fact, the light shines brightest in the darkest of dark. That's where the light shines the brightest. His moments of glory are brightest in our darkest of days. I know what my heart is capable of. I know what I've done and what I can do. But Jesus rescues us where we are. He meets us where we are. There's no cleaning up. There's no fixing things. There's no I'll do this and that. He meets us where we are, which is why we're supposed to meet people where they are. Because he met us where we were in our muck and our mire and our dirtiness and our filth. And he cleaned us up and we no longer have that nasty filth, those wicked ways. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not of anything we've done, nothing of our own. The power Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us. So if today is that day for you, if you want to change your mind about Jesus, we're going to ask you to do something bold because that's what we've been talking about is being bold and responding. We're going to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to celebrate because heaven celebrates. If today is the day that you were deciding, I no longer want the murderer, I want Jesus. Today is the day that I'm tired of, of pride getting in the way. I've known a lot about Jesus, but I've never known him. If today is the day for you, will you raise your hand? We've got some people that want to pray for you, and we're going to celebrate with you because there's new life in this place when that moment happens. So if that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? Amen. Then for the rest of us, our heart this morning? How's our mind and our thoughts? Do they need to be changed? Do we need to see Jesus again anew? Do we need to see him in a new light this morning? Do we need to see him for who he is? Do we need the the reminder of the cross and what it's done for us? Do we need that, that sweet reminder of our salvation in the blood of Jesus? Do we need to be reminded of the love that poured out on the cross for us? Do we just need somebody to love on us this morning? Do we just need somebody to hug on us this morning? Do we just need somebody to pray with us this morning? The altar's open. This time is yours. This is that place where we can come and and ignite that fire again with Christ, that we can come and, and turn to Christ. The big repentance only happens once. The big repentance happens in that moment of justification. But we should live a daily life of repentance, of constantly turning from the old and turning to him. Is that what needs to happen this morning? Do we just need to pour out those things on this altar and just know with confidence that Jesus Christ has redeemed those moments, that he's covered it with his blood? Do we just need to be seen this morning by him? 
I promise you, he always meets us. He meets us right where we are. So this altar is ours, it's yours, it's here for you. But we're going to worship God. We're going to praise him for who he is. We're going to praise him for his plan. We're going to praise him for his glory. And we're going to praise him because we know that his mission and purpose and plan will be accomplished in Christ Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for us, and then this time is ours. Father God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. Lord, we exalt you and magnify you for who you are, God. Lord, let us breathe in the breath and let it come out as praise to you. God, remind us of who we are in you. Remind us of what you saved us from. Remind us of the darkness of our hearts and the light of Jesus Christ that stepped in and saved us. Remind us of your righteousness and let us cling to it. Let us break the chains of trying to earn our salvation. Let us break the chains of trying to, to earn our righteousness and checking boxes in order to, for you to love us more. Remind us that you love us where we are regardless. That you love us right where we are. Let us experience that this morning, God. Let us experience your love. Let us experience your grace. Let us experience your forgiveness. Let confession be a daily part of our lives. Let repentance be a part of our everyday walk with you. And let us experience that grace that comes in confessing and repenting and turning back to you. Let us remember that grace again. Let us not run from it. Let us not be ashamed of it. Let us be bold and confident to run with you with everything and pour it out on a cross because your blood redeemed it. We trust in you. We trust in who you are, God. Let us see you again. Let our, let our minds be changed back to who you are. Let us hold that close. Let us hold on to that truth. God, we just love you and thank you and praise you. We, we look for you in these moments. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.